In this episode, I got to interview my buddy Nate, and Nate is a super healthy guy. He's competed as a bodybuilder. He's been a fitness professional for a long time, uh, but then he just got this devastating diagnosis of cancer, and just the way he walked through it, the way he went through the treatments, the way he positively went through the whole process is amazing. At one point, the story gave me a goosebump. So, hey, give this one a listen. It's truly a life-saving message he is bringing. It's worth your time. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. Hey, got a great, great guest today. It's my friend, Nate Trout. He's a, he's a fitness brother from another mother. So uh, he's been a professional personal trainer, not just a personal trainer, professional. There's a difference, by the way, since yeah, 1995. And he's done it all in the fitness industry, including competitive bodybuilding. And, and he's currently the fitness director at the club at Corazon in Dublin, Ohio, not Ireland, not that place. Don't know that. So, hey, Nate, he knows the fitness world back and forth, but he's he's here today on a really important story that can help save some lives. So, hey, Nate, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Joe. It's my pleasure, man. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. So as you can see in the background, if you're watching the video, he's got some trophies back there. Those are bodybuilding trophies, by the way, in case you don't know. So Nate, Nate was serious about this stuff. So uh, let's take it back. Uh, what, what kind of kid were you growing up? What were you into? ADD, man. ADD. <laughs> so, you know, I, I couldn't sit still to, to save my mom's life. You know, I was running everywhere, doing everything. Um, I remember being seven years old and laying next to my mom doing leg lifts and crunches and watching Jane Fonda videos. Oh, and, yeah. And I was getting up in, in fourth and fifth grade at six in the morning so that I could watch Jack LaLanne. That's how old I am. Oh, man. And do yes. his workouts on TV. Um, and I, so I was just always into fitness. And then I started playing football in fourth grade, basketball. I ran track. I was an athlete all through high school. I was captain of the teams and, uh, even the assistant coach, my senior year of the track team. Um, and I'm really fortunate because as you said, I'm a professional trainer. I'm one of the, the few people I know that knew what I wanted to do in eighth grade. Right. And 14 years old, I saw a TV show and I just can't remember if it was American Muscle Media on ESPN or if it was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. But I remember seeing a story about a new profession that was popping up in Hollywood and Beverly Hills where you could show people how to work out. And I was already working out for years. I had, I had now had my own, you know, multi bench at home and, and barbells and, and all sorts of stuff, you know, and running every single day. And I was rocky with, with, you know, logs on my back doing lunges in the snow. And I'm like, I can get paid to teach people how to do what I love already as, as a 14 year old. And so my whole high school track was, was learning how to be a personal trainer. I, I had friends bringing me periodization manuals from college and anatomy books. You know, I wasn't studying my, my geometry. I was studying periodization. I was, um, you know, I guess my school would probably kill me if they watched this video, but I was sneaking into the office and copying chapters every single night in <laughs> books from college so I could give them back to my friends so I could study that stuff instead of studying my history and, and everything like that. Yeah. So it's just been all part of it. Um, continued playing intramural sports. I even had a, a tryout for the Ohio State University basketball team. Oh, wow. I didn't make the team. I'm five foot nine, but, uh, but I, I at least got a tryout with them and that was a big honor. And, and so, you know, just athletics and, and being fit and, and teaching people the fitness has been my life. Um, the reason I knew I wanted to be a personal trainer 
and teach people about fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle was my mom. My mom just struggled with her weight my entire childhood. And I'm like, if I can help one person not cry at night, you know, or not try every diet and every exercise program and do all these things in futility and still not get results, if I can find the way to help just one other person, you know, including my mom, then I'll consider myself a, uh, a successful person in life and, and a successful trainer. And here I am hundreds and hundreds of clients later, I, I feel like I've done my job. So that's awesome, man. It's funny you said geometry because I went to summer school for geometry. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I knew we were kindred spirits, man. Uh, Body by Jake, you know that everyone, everyone oh, loves Body yeah. by Jake. Yeah, the Godfather, uh, Jack Lalane, man. I'm thinking about getting a jumpsuit myself, man. I'm thinking about rocking the jumpsuit. So, um, so that's you know, awesome, I've got man. My, uh, I've got my United in Tights uh, hashtag that I put online. You've probably seen them on on Facebook that I get a lot of flack for, but. If Jack Lalane can wear a onesie, I can wear tights, you know? No doubt, man. You make it your own. That's it. Yeah. So, and, and also I thought about my mom when I started my business, man, I just think about, you know, she wouldn't, the gym wasn't for her. So we, I wanted to offer something different that she could come and, you know, be with just women and just worry about, you know, her workout, not the hair or makeup or, you know, guys grunting and sweating all over the place. So uh, we're, we're, we're kindred spirits in those things, man. So, oh, definitely. so what was your first job in fitness? What, what did that look like? here's what's funny. I went to every gym that I could in Columbus and said, Hey, do you need a front desk attendant? You know, I just wanted to get in. I was 18. I was a freshman year in college, just anything I can do. And they're like, nah, we don't need it. We don't need it. I entered an ad to become an aerobics instructor. I didn't know how to teach aerobics. I'd done it with my mom. Right. You know, yeah. but I'd never taught it, but I'm like, you know what, if this gets me in the door, it gets me in the door. So my first real job was teaching aerobics. So I was the only guy, there were eight lady instructors and then me, and then I became like the, the manager, the night manager of the, of the studio too. It wasn't a big gym, it was just a studio. And, uh, and so then I got my first certification teaching aerobics and then a certification in, um, in personal training. And I started training actually professors and the vice president of the Ohio State University um, and at home, in home and in, and in the gym at the university. Because back then, there wasn't really a personal training track uh, at university. Now right. there are. Now there are universities just for personal training. There are two-year degrees. There are four-year degrees. At that time, there wasn't anything. I got my degree in exercise science uh, with a minor in nutrition just because I didn't have any other – I didn't know what else to do at that. So training those people led into then getting a job – well – Training those people got me money to continue with college and stuff like that. I did every odd job you could. You know, I was a roofer. I was a landscaper. I did everything I could to be a personal trainer during the morning and night. And, uh, and you know, I do my job and my studies in the daytime. So, yeah, it was really all a start from teaching aerobics, high-low impact, jazzercise type aerobics, and uh, which helped me when I became an adventure boot camp instructor myself uh, many, many years later when I had my own gym. So uh, what, what we're all wondering here, though, did, did you have the leotard? Did you have the leg warmers? I no leg warmers, but I did have cotton lycra shorts. Yes, sir. And a way too small T-shirt. <laughs> and that was the owner was saying, that's the required uniform for you. Oh, and no. that was the only male. It was the only <laughs> uniform I could. So uh, so I started I actually started my United United in tights in 1994. There, that's the roots, man. I see now. You a little bit of eye candy. I see you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do to fill the class. I, I was one of the 
few instructors that had a full 30 person class in every class that I taught, whether it was a 6 a.m. class on a, on a Tuesday, 6 p.m. On a, on a Monday or a, a 9 a.m. on a Sunday. I had full classes every single time. So there you go, man. You're good at what, what you do. Gave you. Yeah, that's cool. So I was actually listening to a podcast yesterday about the guy who started Reebok. And the thing that sent them to a billion dollar company is when they started catering to the aerobics market. So they're yeah. the only ones. They were the first. And you probably saw a bunch of aerobics in there with the Reeboks. But yeah. It's I had one of the jobs that I had as well in college was to sell tennis shoes. Okay. So, so you know, people would come in just for those Reebok um, aerobics shoes. And I that was the first pair of shoes I bought. So I'm working at this, this shoe store. And you'd think I'd buy myself the latest Nike Air or something. The first shoe I bought was that aerobics shoe. It had the cushion on the back and the front, little cutout in the, in oh, the yeah. inseam or in the insole so I could take it to my mom and give her a comfortable pair of shoes when she oh, did aerobics. There you go. Good. It's you good know? son right there. I tried to be. Hey, that's <laughs> awesome, man. So um, let me ask you. So you're doing, you're doing aerobics. You've done athletics. You're up there roofing. By the way, you'll never see a redheaded roofer. You never see a red. We just <laughs> no spontaneously way. explode up there or landscaping. But uh, so anyway, you're doing all this athletic stuff. How does that lead into bodybuilding? I know that it was huge around that time with all the big guys like Flex Wheeler and all those guys going around. Yeah. So, so how did you get into it? Well, I started following bodybuilding as a, as a, you know, junior high, you know, kid. I just loved it. I, you know, I'm a, I'm that era. I'm 47 years old. So I'm watching Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando mm -hmm. is my first Schwarzenegger movie. And then um, uh, Terminator. And I watched all the Rocky movies and I saw that bodybuilding lifestyle. I, and then I was probably in third or fourth grade. I saw Pumping Iron. And I'm oh, like, yeah. that's that's really awesome. But I never wanted to be a stage bodybuilder because I just thought I was always too small. I didn't know. I didn't know that any bodybuilder of any division took steroids or anything like that. I just knew that I wasn't five foot nine and 250 pounds. Yeah. Or five foot nine, 165, you know? <laughs> so I, it didn't really occur to me to get on stage, even though a lot of people started telling me you should, you should, you should. Um, but also I was working 18 hours a day. I would get up and, and start training people at six in the morning. So I would be up at five o'clock, train people at six, all the way till eight o'clock at night. And then in order to fulfill my training lifestyle and pay my rent, because you know, back then, what did we charge in, in 1995, 96, 97, $35 a session, you know, that's not getting you very far. So I was a bouncer and a, and a uh, security manager at a nightclub, you know, so I, so Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I'd leave work at eight, be at the club at 830, change clothes at work, be at the club at 830, you know, manage the techno club until 3.30 in the morning, go to the gym, lay down on the uh, massage table for a couple hours of sleep and wake up and do it again. Oh my goodness. You know, so I just really didn't have time to devote to bodybuilding or anything like that. Then I got out of the club business. I got a little more secure in my jobs and in my, and in my income. And I met a woman and she took me out of that party lifestyle. You know, even though I was working hard and, and training and stuff, I was partying too. And I didn't want to lose that. But when I met the woman that I didn't have to go to the bar to meet or club to meet or something like that, I was able to settle my lifestyle down and then start doing bodybuilding at that time. And I also found out about natural bodybuilding. Right. Because yeah. I've never, I've, I, when I was in junior high, I met someone that took steroids and he just let me and a whole group of people know that this is not the way you want to live your life. Because this caused me to have a heart attack at 27 years old. Uh, joints are, are shot. Tendons are shot. 
Um, so I knew I didn't want to take that route once I found out that, that that's what people did to, to become 250 pounds. So I found out about natural bodybuilding and I'm like, okay, I can do that. And my first show, I was uh, 175 pounds. I was probably 8% body fat, which is not lean enough to be on stage. Um, but I had a good shape and I won. And, and as you can imagine, being a theater guy in high school as well and teaching aerobics for so many years, being in front of people, I just love the stage. And now I do it because I love the stage. And over the course of these, how many years, 15, 17 years I've been competing, um, I've learned and I've taught myself how to diet right, have a good lifestyle, not go no carb, not do two hours of cardio every single day, you know, and still get down to the 4% body fat, the three and a half, my leanest was 3% body fat I've Goodness. ever been on stage. Um, and, and I do it while still having a good life outside of bodybuilding. Most people, when they bodybuild, it's tunnel vision and they don't, you know, chicken, rice, eggs, fish, chicken, rice, eggs, fish, not in that order. My last competition I did and I won, I won the, I was second in the open. I was first in the masters and first in the masters professional. Um, I went on a date, a first date four weeks before the competition. And I had two drinks and I had an appetizer and I had a meal with her because I'm not going to let my bodybuilding, my stage rule the rest of my life and not, and not be happy and not learn how to have fun. Right. Um, and still got down to the 4% body fat I needed. So it's, it's been, it's been years of learning and trial and error and meeting people, meeting coaches, meeting nutritionists, um, you know, talking to everyone and that I can reading as many books as I possibly can to finally get to a point where I can help myself and anyone else get into whatever shape they want without having to, I mean, you do have to make changes in the lifestyle. Like let's, let's, be real. You've got to learn how to count your calories and count your macros and make some sacrifices, but it doesn't have to be the end all be all of your life. You know, right. you don't yeah. have to sequester yourself inside. You know, when I first started bodybuilding, I didn't even go to a movie because if my meal came in the middle of the movie, I wouldn't be able to eat my meal and yeah. I can't live like that. So now I've, I've just totally changed my lifestyle and perspective and still win shows and I've been second in the world twice. I oh, wow. won the Mr. Universe one year, uh, Mr. International or Mr. Caribbean International. I was in fourth place and fourth in the world another time. So, you know, I've done it, learning the right way to do it throughout those 17 years I've been competing. Man, what a ride, man. That's awesome. It's so, been a great ride and so it's not over. I'm not done. I'm only no, no, man. I'm not, in the, I'm not in the ground yet. No. So, so 30 years, you're, you're professional, you're your personal life, it's all fitness, it's all nutrition, it's all these things. And then September of last year, you, you get this, this something that just rocked your world. So tell us what happened around September last year. Um, well, it, it actually started in 2017. My dad had precancerous cells in his colon. And when it's in the colon, it's really easy to remove. We cut out the section, splice you back together and send you on your way. And when I told my doctor that in 2019, Hey, my dad had cancer, colon cancer last year. He said, Hey, you need to get a colonoscopy. Um, I didn't because I'm a guy and yeah. look, guys, we don't do stuff that we're supposed to, especially medically. And I'm also, but I'm also Superman. Look at me. I'm in top shape in my forties. Right. I'm winning bodybuilding shows. I eat clean. I, 
I drink when I want to, but I don't overindulge too very often at all. You know, what do I need that for? I'm fine. So I didn't do it. And then 2020 comes and I didn't even go to a doctor in 2020. That was COVID years. I was, you know, we were all just trying to stay sane. Um, and then 2021, I go in for my physical and he goes, Hey, did you get that colonoscopy? And I was like, no, I didn't. He goes, you need to, I really want you to. And thank God my doctor, Peter Cloda in Dublin, Ohio, the saint, uh, he does not even know the extent of my appreciation for him. I said, if you, if you make the appointment, I'll go. And by God, that doctor did. He called over to the surgical center. He booked me an appointment. It took two months for me to get in, but he booked it. And I showed up and uh, once I woke up, the surgeon said, hey, look, I found a tumor. And uh, of course we won't know if it's cancer or not until we do the biopsy, but it's a big tumor. And uh, so I'm gonna send that biopsy in and we'll let you know as soon as we get it. I didn't think anything of it, right? Cause again, I'm Superman. He said, I don't know if it's cancer, but you know, so I went home and I'm smiling and picked up my kids from school later that day. And we had a great night together, go to work, not even thinking about it. And at 6.15 on Wednesday night, I'm getting ready to leave. And I'm like, let me check my emails one more time. And there we have this thing called my chart. And it just updates you on what's going on with your, with your doctor's appointments. And I looked on the my chart and it said positive for, for cancer. So that hit me like a ton of a brick. And I'm like, okay, let me call Dr. Cloda to discuss this. And he didn't answer the phone. So I did what everyone should never, ever do. I went to Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I Googled it and it said, well, hey, you're going to die, you know? So, um, so now I'm freaking out a little bit. I'm not, I'm not too worried yet. I'm not crying. I'm not upset uh, because I know it's Google. And within five minutes, my doctor called me back and settled me down. And we had a, we had a nice discussion. He goes, we don't know, you know, you don't know the extent, but talk to the surgeon and, and go about this. So within 15 days of getting that diagnosis, I had CT scans, another um, exam from the surgeon, uh, MRIs, blood tests, all sorts of stuff. When you do radiation, they fit you for a cradle. So your body's in the right spot, exactly the same spot every single time. Um, and I started my first radiation treatment within 15 days of finding out that I had cancer. Oh, wow. Um, one of the reasons is, and mine was not in my colon, mine was in my rectum. So it's a much smaller space and it grows a lot faster there. Um, and we also found out through the MRI that it wasn't just a three centimeter by two centimeter um, by one centimeter thick tumor. There was also five infected lymph nodes. And that's where it gets scary when it gets into the lymph nodes because then sure. it travels into the bloodstream really quick. Um, but those lymph nodes were within the tumor site. So within the rectum itself, not spread into the abdomen, the lungs, the brain or anything like that. So that was the big positive, but it was a stage three rectal cancer. Um, and as everyone knows now, I'm a bodybuilder. I've done some fitness modeling. Uh, I'm active. I run the pools here at the club, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm always working out. And the big danger with rectal cancer is that most people that have rectal cancer, they have to have their rectum removed. Um, and for some people, it's not that bad because there's four inches of rectum and they can reattach the colon onto the sphincter muscle 
so that you can there go therefore go to the bathroom normally. Mine wasn't that lucky. Mine was actually touching and into the sphincter muscle itself. So for me, if the radiation and the chemotherapy didn't work, they were gonna have to cut that all out. And I was gonna end up with a colostomy bag for the rest of my life, mm. which wasn't a, which, you know, I joked with the doctor, I should never joke about this, but I joked with the doctor and said, you know, if that's the case, you know, just nip an artery and, and, and read a book and let me bleed out because I don't want to live my life that way. Yeah. Of course, it was a joke because I have two daughters that I want to be here for forever, but it was still a reality like this is, this is life changing, you know? Um, and when I finally told my children that I had cancer, they asked me, um, my eight-year-old, she was seven years old at the time, she says, daddy, are you going to die? Hmm. You know, like right there. And uh, I said, no, honey, I'm not going to die from this, but this could, this could alter my life big time, you know? And so I had to explain to her what it was. Now you can't tell a seven-year-old, I'm going to get a little graphic. I don't ho I hope that's okay. Yeah, go for uh, it. Right? Okay. Uh, you can't tell a seven-year-old you have rectal cancer because they don't know what a rectum is, right? So what do you tell your, your seven-year-old daughter you have of cancer in my butthole, right? which makes her laugh a little bit. So that's good. Sure. You know, you get a yeah. little comic relief. Um, and, you know, we went through the whole thing and we talked about what it was and, and uh, my ex-wife was there to, to help me deliver the news to them and try and keep it positive. And we're, a, you know, we may not be married, but we're a united front and we're going to be together in this. And um, there were questions from the kids. And then the last question uh, Valentina, my eight-year-old had was, okay, so you're not going to die, right? And I said, no, I'm not going to die. She goes, okay, can we carve these pumpkins? Because, you know, it's getting late in the night, you know? So she's just, she's my comic relief. And the next day, you know, you, you think you're going to have a little respite from your kids being kids for a couple days after you tell them you have cancer. But the next morning, my kids were like fighting like all kids do. My, my older daughter's 13 and they're fighting for the bathroom time and we're, already late to drive to school. And, and it, there, there was a fight with all of us. Like, you know, Amelie punched Valentina in the head. It was, it was, I'm yelling at her, you know, and we get in the car and I just let them have it. I'm like, you know, you, here I am. I got cancer. I am, I'm, a, I'm an idiot. I'm like laying a guilt trip on my kids. I don't mean to do. And you guys can't not fight for one day. And it was really heavy in the car and we're driving. It's a 10 minute drive to work and not a, not a word was said and you could feel that tension mm -hmm. and I and I get to the stoplight right before my daughter's school it's like a half a mile from the school and Valentina's in the back and she goes hey daddy and I look at her give her the, I give her this look I'm like what and she goes how's your butthole today <laughs> and I just I just lost it the smile was as big as it is right now Amelie's laughing. We're all <laughs> laughing. Okay, okay, we're done with this fight. Girls, I love you. I'm sorry I got mad at you. Everything's back into perspective. And um, and then we just, you know, moved forward from there. Um within so so I start my my radiation and you also do so the radiation is every weekday, not on weekends, because everyone needs a break, right? Um, and then you take uh chemo medication, oral chemo. Uh, for those same five days a week, two days off, five days a week, two days off for six weeks in a row. And um, 
in the second week of treatment, every week you meet with the radiation oncologist and she says, look, Nate, uh, I'm sure your, your surgeon is fantastic. She goes, I'm new to the practice, so I don't know him very well. And I'm sure he's amazing if he's with our practice, but I did my residency at Cleveland Clinic and the absolute best surgeons are at Cleveland Clinic. Would you be willing to go up there and have a second surgical opinion from the doctor up there? And I'm like, well, and Cleveland Clinic, it is one of the best in the country, right? And so it's really hard to get into. So of course, if you can get me the appointment, I don't mind driving two hours to see that doctor every week if I have to, if this is going to save my, my life as I know it. Yeah. So she got me the appointment two weeks after that. So now we're four weeks into treatment and I'm driving up to Cleveland and um, do a full exam with him. And I, I thought we were just going to discuss my case. He was going to look at my MRI and told me what he thought. But he said, well, no, you're here. Let's, let's do an exam on you as well. And this is almost the same thing. It's another colonoscopy, only you don't have the nighttime prep that you do with the regular colonoscopy. And you're awake. Mm. And there's a TV right in front of your eyes so you can see what the doctor's looking at and see what the camera's showing. Weird. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> not something I ever thought I was going to be part of. But now it's like common for me. I've had two of them. I've got another one coming up in, in uh, June or July. And, uh, you know, so it's okay. But I was not ready for that that day. Um, and as he's looking around and as he's feeling around, you know, because they use both digital and cameras on this. Um, He's like, hey, uh, he's talking to his resident beside him. He's like, I don't see it. I don't see the tumor. And he's looking over at the computer to look at the computer screen from the MRI and the pictures from the first colonoscopy. And he's, I go, well, what about that white thing right there? Like, what is that? And he goes, that's just connective tissue. And he pushed into it and, you know, see, that's connective tissue. You feel it move. It was a tumor. You wouldn't feel it move. And, and he pulls the camera out. He does another digital and. He's like, I don't feel it either. There's nothing there. So, you know, we get up and we start talking about it. He goes, look, you don't, as far as I can see from the naked eye, you don't have a tumor anymore. Now I can't wow. see your lymph nodes. Those are something that can only be seen on an MRI, but you don't have a tumor. So what I'm telling you is at this point, you don't have to think about or worry about surgery right now. Because I'm a surgeon and that's what surgeons do. We cut. And I'm not, I'm telling you, we don't have to cut you. Wow. So imagine my joy as I bounded out of that hospital, feeling amazing, calling everyone I could think of to talk about my good news, you know, and um, I finished my two more weeks of radiation and chemo. We did what they call a wait and see. So you wait for four weeks up to six weeks, do another MRI and cytoscope and then assess from there. And the next MRI and cytoscope proved that not only was the tumor gone, but so were the lymph nodes. Wow. So three of the lymph nodes weren't even present. Two of them presented a scar tissue, little dots of scar tissue. And then the tumor itself, which was like three centimeters by two centimeters by centimeter deep, was the size of a one centimeter dental floss. Wow. Which is just a scar. That's not, it's yeah. not a tumor anymore. And the blood test showed everything. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm considered cancer free, but I still do treatment because um, if there's one cancer cell left that you don't see on the MRI, one turns into a million again over the over a little bit of time and you're back in the same boat. So every three weeks I do um, an IV of chemotherapy 
and I do 14 days congruently of, um, of oral chemos now. Um, I've had two, two sessions. I have another one next Thursday. And so there'll be two more after that. And then we'll do another MRI to make sure everything looks good. And, and then I'll be on more wait and see, but it's just regular, more like every six month colonoscopies um, for the next three years. And then after that, maybe one a year or, or you know, it could go further. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky. Yeah. I'm that's really amazing. Lucky. That's amazing. So, I mean, it's great. You didn't have to have surgery, but this, this whole experience, I'm sure was not much fun, but tell me, tell me some positive things, you know, obviously not having surgery is a huge thing. What, what else has popped up in your life? Well, uh, so let's, let's go back a little bit to, to what you believe in, which is relentless positivity. There wasn't a single day. There wasn't even a single moment that I found out that I had cancer till today that I have said, why me? Yeah. That I have said, hey, God, and I'm a religious person. I'm not overtly religious. I don't go to church all the time, but I'm a, I'm a huge believer. I've never said, hey, God, why'd you do this to me? You know? And I've only like, like really kind of cried about this diagnosis twice. And the first time was the day after I found out. And I was dating a girl when I found out and she is, she was a mess. She was, she was crying enough for both of us and, yeah. and super worried for me. I didn't shed a tear, but the morning after I found out, I was sitting at breakfast and, and doing my daily prayers as I always do. And I just said, Hey God, thank you for giving me the opportunity to show your grace, to show strength in myself, strength in my body, the ability of the doctors and the knowledge that you gave doctors and chemists and biologists to make the medicines that I am going to be using to, to heal my body. And that was my mantra every single day and still is to this day. Six months later, I still say it every day. I say, God, thank you for waking me up. And thank you for all the blessings you've given me, the opportunities that you've given me to reach other people. Because since this, I've done a lot of reaching out to other people as well. Um, when I'm laying on that, uh, you know, a, a person asked me last night at a charity event I'll talk about in a minute, you know, wasn't, wasn't that radiation horrible? Cause I went through radiation. I hated it. I said, you know what? It wasn't because I laid there and I prayed to God about the opportunities that he's given me. And I, and I thanked him for the doctors. And I thanked him for the medicine. And then I said, Hey body, now it's your turn. You've got the strength. I've been reading a lot of books on on meditation and, and, and body strength. And, uh, you know, Tony Robbins has a book called the, the Life Force that talks about using not just the medicines that are available to you, but your own belief in your own body to, to rebuild itself because that's what it does every single day. Um, you know, so that all that positive was going through my mind the whole time that I would lay on that table for 10 minutes a day. And every morning when I woke up and said my prayers and every night when I said my prayers and every time I talked to someone about this, it was never, this sucks. This was always, this is my opportunity. Um, and since then, over the month of March here, I've done three news interviews. And so I've reached people up in Cleveland. I've reached people in Columbus, um, you know, all over because I've shared it on my social media to people that I know in France and, and uh, Israel and LA and Texas and all over the place. Um, and then last night I was part of, I was a, a featured speaker in a charity called Blue for the Night. And, or while well, the charity is Race for Hope and the event was Blue for the Night because 
the color blue is the uh, is the official color of colorectal cancer. So you know, like the pink ribbon is for uh, breast cancer and things like that. Okay, yeah. And so I got to speak and give my story, a five minute version of what I'm going through. And we've already been talking for what, 20 minutes, maybe um, 30 minutes, but I got to give a five minute version. And that reached a lot of people who would never think of a personal trainer, a bodybuilder, a lifelong health advocate, never being overweight or anything gets cancer. And so that was, that was really, uh, you know, helpful to myself and to many people. So yeah, that outreach is going. Uh, I also, I work at the, at the Arnold Classic. So I'm, I'm one of the people that help make sure the, the professionals get on stage when they're supposed to. We're called expediters. We call them liaisons because we're with them from the first thing in the morning to the last thing at night, taking care of them. And the president of the IFBB, International Federation of Bodybuilding, who I've met multiple times, but you know, he's the president of a 100,000 person, you know, he doesn't remember me from day to day. Yeah, yeah. He actually came over to me, grabbed my arm and said my name and said, hey, Nate, I saw your story on the news last night. I'm so happy for you. My brother died of cancer and I'm so happy that you're, you know, so, you know, he noticed me and then I'll, I'd be going to the bathroom at the hotel and, and someone walking by me in the hall would say, hey, I, I saw your story last night. How amazing. You know, I'm going to go get my colonoscopy. And through this, a dozen of my friends in my, in my circle of friends have gotten their first uh, colonoscopy already. 10 of the members here at the club have gotten their first or scheduled their next one because of it. And, uh, and, and so hopefully, you know, that's my whole message is get your colonoscopy. It's not that bad. And it could save your life. I mean, mine was stage three. If I wait one more year, if I don't have my doctor who's taking care of my life for me, you know, scheduling my appointment, if I waited one more year, I'm probably not, I'm probably not surviving that one. You know, because if I was already stage three, a year from now, it's stage dead, you know, because it's right. in the lungs, it's in the brain and stuff. So um, everything happened for a reason. I got my colonoscopy when I did, and uh, and he made sure that I was taken care of from it. Man. So what an amazing story, man. I, I tell you, I got goosebumps when you started talking about your, your daily ritual, man. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. you know, it's, I love that. And and there is power in positivity and 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 you know, positive thinking that you have control over that. You could have, you know, they've, it's, it sounds very woo woo if you don't study this stuff, but there's science back stuff that, that will yeah. say that it medically, you can heal yourself, heal yourself, man. So oh, that's, yeah. and I mean, it's easier said than done. So good on you for being able to control that. And, and you're changing lives. People. Is there anything else you'd like to tell someone right now? If they're, you know, they're like me, they're kind of reluctant to go have this checked. Yeah. What would you say to someone like that? Well, here's what I found out last night at this, at this blue for the night. I did not realize that people in their teens and their young twenties were getting colorectal cancer. Wow. And the woman who runs the event, she, she read off a list of, of 20 names and I was the oldest one, but uh, 20 names of, of people who didn't survive. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them were in their, in their ages and they were in their teens, their twenties and their early thirties because we don't think to get checked. We don't think it's going to happen to us. And then you hear horror stories from people in their 60s and 70s like, oh, yeah, I had to have a colonoscopy. And they make you drink this gallon of it looks like a fluorescent gel and it tastes horrible and you can't get it all down. And, you know, it's not like that anymore. I took two six ounce bottles of it's probably magnesium citrate with some other stuff in it. It had a little lemon lime flavors, almost like seven up. 
you mix it with 10 ounces of water. You drink one of them at five o'clock in the afternoon. You drink one of them at eight o'clock at night. You can do it earlier if you want. You sit on the toilet from nine to 10. You're cleaned out. You go to bed. It's not hard. Don't be, don't be scared of it. And then also, you know, don't be ashamed. This is natural. Everyone has to, everyone should be doing this at a certain age. There's no shame in it. You're asleep for most of it. Luckily, luckily for me, I was asleep for all of it. One of my friends in his first one, he goes, oh, I went and got mine done. And I woke up just as he was finishing. So I got to feel that. That wasn't pleasant. <laughs> but it wasn't the worst thing in the world either, right? I mean, yeah. it, you, can, you can get cut open or you can get this done. You know, so please, anyone that's watching this, I don't care. Like the, the financial age right now, you know, it was for, you know, your, your insurance covering is 45 years old unless you have a family history. If you have a family history, it's 35. You can fight your insurance company for an earlier detection test because what would you rather do? Pay for me to have an early detection or pay for me to go through cancer treatments? Right. And yeah. I can tell you just those first six weeks was $80,000 in, in treatments, tests, doctor's appointments, and, and all of that. So $80,000 in six weeks. So, you know, the insurance company, you throw those real numbers at them and they're like, they'd be happy to pay the $2,000 for the colonoscopy versus the $80,000 in medicines and MRIs and CTs and gels and all sorts of stuff, you know? Um, but also, you know, don't believe that this is the, the end all of your life. Be positive, be understanding that not only are the doctors there to save your life, but your body is too. Your body wants to live. I mean, remember, we regenerate over a billion cells a day. You know, all of our skin cells fluff off every single day and our body regenerates it. The liver, if you, if you have cirrhosis of the liver from over from drinking or, or a, a hereditary thing, with clean living and the right supplements, your, your liver will regenerate itself. You know, you can, you can take someone who smoked for 30 years and within five years of them stop smoking, have 80% lung capacity back because our body wants to live and it can live and it can regenerate, but we have to be part of it in our brain. If you always believe that, woe is me, negativity, this is bad, I'm going to die, whatever, thoughts become things. Absolutely. And you know, whatever your brain tells your body to do, it's going to do. So you tell your body to heal. I put a visualization when I was doing that, uh, that meditation in the, in the radiation room was I, I visualized, I said, okay, body, now you do the work. Let's, let's start with those lymph nodes. Lymph nodes, one, number one, fluff it off. And I, and I visualized it like, remember in Avengers end game <laughs> when everyone floated away, I yeah. visualized that lymph node floating away. And then the second one and the third one and the fourth one, and the fifth one. And I'm like, okay, time to get that tumor. And I visualized electricity going into that tumor and shrinking it down into just a, I wanted it to be just a black dot. Not this, not this little thing that I have now, but I, I wanted it to be a black dot. And I said, embody, you keep that black dot there so that any other cancer cells that come in will say, hey, I'm, I don't want to end up like that. Let me get out of here. Let them know. You know? Let them know. And yeah. right? <laughs> and, so, and so it was just, it was just positive, positive thinking. You know, I didn't, I, the only other time I cried, like I said, I cried twice once was the next, the day after. And it was literally, it was a two second tear and it was done. And then telling my kids, yeah. you know, there was more tears. That was maybe two minutes because I didn't know how they were going to react and what questions they were going to have and what worries that they were going to have in, you know, as I go through this 
you know, into the future, what worries they're going to have about their dad. Um, you know, so that was the only other time that I was emotional about it. The rest of it was just 100, 110% positive. We're going to get through this. And only 13% of people that get rectal cancer have a cure without surgery. They don't even have a percentage that have a cure without, you know, within four weeks or six weeks of radiation. Um, I had to, I had to switch radiologists or, um, oncologists for my IVs. And when I met him, he sat down with me and said, Hey, look, Nate, I've already been studying your case for two weeks. I go, how have you been, how'd you know about my case for two weeks? If we're just meeting today, it's a totally different hospital system. And uh, he goes, because you're part of the national oncology board of discussion wow. because no one has this cure with just radiation and oral chemo. No one has this cure without the IVs and or the surgery. A really good friend of mine, she had the exact same cancer one year ahead of me and she ended up having to have her, uh, her rectum removed. And luckily for her, they could reattach it. Mm -hmm. You know, she, her tumor wasn't where mine was. It was more up closer to the, to the, col uh, the colon and not the sphincter, but they removed the whole rectum and reattached it. She, had, she was in a colostomy bag for three months. And she's like, Nate, you don't want that life. Uh, you know, so she had to have surgery to, to have her, you know, total heal. And, you know, so I'm the luckiest person around. I'm the luckiest person I know. I'm, uh, but I'm also, you know, the more I work, the luckier I get, right? Yeah. The more I believe and the more I, I know that I'm going to cure and, and, and be fine from this, the, the luckier I was. So. Dang. What a blessing, man. And hey, Nate, thank you for telling your story, man. I appreciate that. You're, you're, you're saving lives right now. I guarantee it. Someone's going to go out and get checked and it's going to save their life, man. So thank, thank you, you for telling much. your story. And, and thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been great catching up with you. Thanks for the work you're out there doing. And man, hey, if you're listening right now, go out there and get checked. I turn 45 next month. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't right. think that's a coincidence, right? I don't believe in coincidences. So man, I'm going to have to go get checked now. You got me. 45, right? right? 45. Yep. 45. Right. You can do it. So that's great. All right. So everybody else, you're out there listening. If you're 45 and up, let's go get checked, man. We got to do it. Nate, it's not Thank that bad. Bro. We can do it, right? That's right. Thank you awesome. very much for having me on. I tell you, I was like, when you first started this this, this uh, podcast and I listened to your episodes, I'm like, man, how do I get on? You know, how do I get on with Joe and talk about, I mean, my story was going to be different talking to you just about, you know, believing in yourself and personal training and bodybuilding or lifestyle, whatever. But now it's a really great reason that I'm on. And, and I always say that everything happens for a reason. Absolutely. And when I told my daughters that, you know, I'm like, I think I know why I got this. Cause they asked me why. And I'm like, I don't know. The doctors don't know. Um, I talked to a surgeon last night. He's like, we still don't know why 20 year olds or 40 year olds are getting it. It's, it's, you know, but I texted my daughter after that Arnold weekend where people were coming up and talked to me and I said, Hey, Amelie, you know, I think the reason I got cancer is because I can spread the word and spread my story more than anyone else. Cause I, I do like to talk and I don't have a filter and I will get all of the, the dirty out there and I will discuss it. And I know that I'm already helping people. And that's why I got cancer so that I could help someone else be checked early, find early diagnosis and, and get a full cure without having to have surgery or anything like that. So it, man. Early, or, or like anything else early detection is key man so so you exactly. keep you keep telling your story nate thank you so much for coming on man and I, we'll, we'll do this again we'll do a checkup later on again i appreciate that thank you sir absolutely man have a great day you too
Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. I am so grateful to have these awesome sponsors. Go refinance your house with my friend Dominic Garver. Here's what happened. I called him up. He checked out my info, and he told me I didn't need to change a thing. No trying to sell me on a bunch of other stuff I didn't need. Just, hey, just ran my number and told me I didn't need anything. So let him just run your numbers. He will do everything he can to save you years and money off of your mortgage. You can give him a call at 256-714-1429 or check out his website, rocketcitymortgageguy.com. And then Teak Patnick with Patnick Realty. He's a guy, he's a, he's a native Huntsvillian, just like myself. He's a licensed real estate professional since 2004. Hey, you're not just a transaction with Teak. He wants to build a relationship for life with you. And, and this guy does it all. General real estate sales, acquisitions, property management, investments. You know, prayer, hard work, ethic, honesty, and results are the foundations of what he's been built on. You know, you can trust Patnick Realty with all your real estate needs, and they would be honored to be your turnkey agent for life. You know, I trust trust Teak, and you should too. Give him a call at 256-694-0117 or email him at teak at patnickco.com. All that's in the show notes. You can look up it. Hey, is your child struggling with math? You know, are you frustrated trying to help them? Then you need Mathnasium of Madison. They will meet your child where they are and help them get where they need to go. And they will do this in a positive and uplifting environment. You will see measurable changes in attitude, confidence, and school progress. Go to their website, mathnasium.com slash madisonal, and sign up for the assessment. It is a risk and cost-free process that will tell you exactly where your child stands academically. That website again, mathnasium.com slash madisonal. And let's talk apparel lab. You know, you can grow your business with creative merch. You know, they got branded merch, promotional swag. You know, you can increase your visual awareness with signs, banners, decals. They can even do an online fundraiser for your school or nonprofit. Go check out everything you do. Go to their new website. They just did. It looks awesome. It's apparelab.inc, I-N-K. And you can also email them at theapparelab at gmail.com. Either way, use promo code RELENTLESS. Save yourself some money. Get some awesome products. Hey, support these awesome businesses who support positivity. I really appreciate them, and they'll do you right. Have an awesome day.